Okay, so this is really what makes the PPP a really attractive option for a lot of businesses. Um, it starts out as a loan, you have your loan amount that you calculate, um, but then really the key is this forgiveness piece of it. And the forgiveness is based on what you do with the funds in the eight weeks after the loan is originated. So, you know, I, ideally you would get these funds really quickly, um, but even if you don't, there is a, a window, I think up to June 30th, where these funds are gonna be distributed. And then the forgiveness is based on what do you do with those funds in the eight weeks after you actually get them to be used by your business. And um, in the regulations that uh, Treasury just put out, there is guidance that says you may only use 25% of the loan proceeds for anything other than payroll costs. So in the Act, the CARES Act itself says you can use these um, loan proceeds for payroll costs, rent, um, mortgage interest, interest on other business debt, as long as the um, debt was incurred before February of 2020. So it has to essentially be a pre-existing um, mortgage or pre-existing lease or other business debt. And you can, use, you can use these funds to pay the interest on those, not the principal, but you can use them for the financing charges. Um, Treasury took a look at what the act, how the act was set up and the calculation of the amounts available through this program. And Treasury decided that uh, based on the two and a half kind of calculation, that it was the uh, legislature's intent to uh, only allow 25% of these proceeds to go to something other than payroll. Um, it doesn't make that much difference necessarily, I think because the true forgiveness calculation takes a look at the number of full-time equivalent employees that you had on payroll um, in a, during a period prior to the loan, and then compares those with the number of employees that you have after the loan. So I don't think businesses had much flexibility to really cut payroll and divert these funds to the other hard costs of doing business, the rent, the utilities, the, the mortgage payments, just because the true measure of forgiveness is number of uh, full-time equivalent employees. So, um, but that's something definitely to keep in mind when you're going through and thinking about preparing for the forgiveness. Um, it's almost a second application, really. So the forgiveness paperwork that will go back to your lender um, eight weeks after the loan originates is 75% must be used for payroll, 25% can be used for the other allowable business uses under the Act. Um, for the amounts used on other allowable expenses, the, the percentage of the original loan that can be forgiven is based on a formula that's in the Act. And it essentially takes a comparison of the number of post-loan employees divided by the number of pre-loan employees. And most employers will have 
the choice of measuring the pre-loan employee count by either looking at the average monthly FTE between February 15th, 2019 and June 30th, 2019, or the average number between January 1st, 2020 and February 29th, 2020. So you're gonna wanna choose whichever of those two you had the lower number of employees. Um, seasonal employers must use that 2019 window. So they are going to, ha they have that sort of spelled out. But for other employers, you have a, a choice to make of which window you want to use to, to count your pre-loan uh, number of employees. Um, that really does incentivize employers to keep the numbers higher after the loan, as high or higher after the loan as before the loan. And if you do have a reduction in staff after the loan, um, it doesn't completely destroy the forgiveness portion, it just is sort of a sliding scale. So you're gonna have a percentage of the loan proceeds that may not be forgivable if you do still end up having to scale back your, your employee base. Okay. So a question that I think would be good timing here on the forgiveness aspect. If an employer um, initially, if there were salary cuts originally, can they use some of these loans to back pay people who took that salary cut? Would those be forgiven or only restored you know, or only allowed to restore to the previous pay level. Yeah, so I think what you're going to want to do is actually avoid a back pay scenario at this point because the use of funds is going to be what happened in the eight weeks after loan origination. And so if you're trying to use some of that 75% that you can, can put toward payroll, but you're trying to cover a period that predates the loan, you're going to shortchange the amounts that you have during that eight week, really, really crucial period to measure the loan forgiveness. So I can appreciate certainly um, wanting to kind of bring people back up to where they should have been in a back pay scenario, but, but this is not, I would not recommend doing that in the eight weeks after loan origination. I will say that there is, and I think kind of in this same, in this same vein, um, two other caveats. So um, comparing number of employees pre and post loan is one area that, that will feed into forgiveness. The other is looking at any significant compensation reductions of more than 25%. So if you, so you may, be, you may be not penalized, but not able to maximize the forgiveness if you do have to reduce people's salaries by more than 25% after the loan has originated. So if you are, if you find yourself in a situation where you have already made compensation cuts prior to applying for the loan, 
or you have laid folks off prior to applying for the loan, the app says there's not going to be an impact to the forgiveness amount if you restore people um, up to the, the pre-loan salary level or you're able to hire folks back who you've already laid off. So it's sort of a, a different measure for the forgiveness piece. So to the person who had the question about back paying, if, if folks have already had salary cuts, um, I would not back pay for periods prior to the loan, but if you elevate those folks back up to what they were making pre-cut, you, you are gonna want to do that in the eight weeks after receiving loan proceeds. Um, and you're going to even need to do that to avoid having a, a forgiveness sort of impact. Um, and the same is true for any layoffs. So if you've had employees that you've had to let go, um, even up to April 26th, you're, you would need to recall those folks or add equivalent numbers. So I don't think it matters if it's that individual that you're recalling, but it does matter if you have, um, if you're able to restore the number of employees in the eight weeks after the loan originates. Okay, a question about eligibility of a PPP loan. Would a general contractor with less than 500 employees need to meet the SBA revenue based on the size requirement for their relevant NAICS code? There are some specific rules about um, employer size based on industry. But I believe if you're under 500 employees, you're going to you're going to be eligible to apply for the loan. Um, so I don't think it I don't think it necessarily tracks the revenue expectations as much as the employee numbers. Okay, good to know. Another question around wages. Do you include the wages for employees that aren't with the company any longer? You do for your 12 month look back period. So it's gonna be all of your monthly expenses, um, but the, you'll wanna keep in mind the timing of when those folks left, or if you had an overall reduction in the number of employees, you wanna factor that into the measuring period that you're using for forgiveness. So it really, it helped me to think about the well, helped me to read the act and then think about it this way. But the loan amount calculation lives in a whole separate section of the act than the forgiveness calculation. So when you're dealing with the loan amount, you're looking at 12 months back from the application, what was our average payroll per month, including you know, people who are still there, people who are not there. Um, it, that's just a, you know, what has already happened. The loan forgiveness, though, is looking forward a little bit to how many people are we do we have on payroll in the eight weeks after we originate this loan. Okay. Let's see, and I think we have a couple of other questions that have come in here too. All right. Um, if the company is still shut down after eight weeks, can we have employees file for unemployment without it affecting the forgiveness of the loan? Yeah, so that was something that um, we've we've had a lot of questions just in my practice about. Um, now, if you're shut down 
for the eight weeks after loan origination, um, you or if you're currently shut down, I guess the, the consideration that you have to make is, is it better for you as a business to apply for these loan proceeds, pay people even if they're not necessarily working, and take advantage of that extra 25% bump that's, that's kind of free money above your payroll to use for other business expenses. Um, you document all of that for the eight weeks that you're doing that, the loan can be forgiven. Um, but then yes, if you are still in a position eight weeks after the loan originates where you don't have work for employees and you're not able to keep folks on payroll, um, I have not seen anything yet that says there's any sort of a penalty or a, a reduction in the forgiveness amount if eight weeks after the loan, you still end up laying people off. Now, I will say the first time I looked at this was before Treasury issued their, um, their regulations, which I don't believe are actually even final yet. And that was my concern was that there would be something, something would pop up in the regulations that looked like a built-in um, penalty or reduction in forgiveness for a business who eight weeks after taking advantage of this program still had to lay people off. There is not anything like that in the current regulations, um, but that's my, my little bit of hesitation there is I don't know if Treasury is going to think that's a good idea in the next draft, but currently, no. If, if you have to lay folks off eight weeks after you've taken this loan and the amounts are forgivable, there is no, nothing in the act that speaks to that. Okay. All right. That's the bulk of the questions we have right now. So if you want to carry on. Okay. Um, that is, is sort of the extent of the forgiveness calculation. I can talk a little bit about the process for forgiveness um, because it really is sort of like a second application. So for anybody who's looked at the loan application, you're going through, you're detailing to your lender the number of employees you have, your average payroll costs. You're doing kind of the front end work to, to even be approved for the two 0.5 times your monthly average payroll. Um, you'll hopefully qualify, get those funds, they'll be distributed, and then the task becomes in the eight weeks after you have those proceeds, um, tracking where you're spending that money with the understanding that 75% needs to be spent on payroll. If you're rehiring employees, you're keeping track of you know, the numbers that you're able to add back to your workforce. Um, and then after the eight weeks, after you've, you've spent down the funds for eight weeks, you'll go back to your lender and complete a different um, set of paperwork to certify what you've used the, pro the loan proceeds for. Your lender will then evaluate that, and I believe they have 60 days to determine whether the um, documentation is sufficient and whether the proceeds are, the loan proceeds are forgiven. Um, your lender will then do that and then they track back to the SBA that will reimburse your lender. So if you're, you know, working with Wells Fargo or Chase or whoever else, that's your first point of contact to determine whether the loan amount is going to be forgiven based on what you've done with those funds for the last eight weeks. Um, 
once they do that, there is still the interest charge. That does not go away. That is um, the, should be the only amount that borrowers are going to be obligated to pay. And currently, I don't know if I said this or not, the act caps the interest rate at 4%, but I'm hearing that currently it's around 0.5%. Wow. And again, that's deferred for um, six months. Is that what I said earlier? Treasury, Treasury set those rules just recently. So yeah, deferred for six months, but then that interest, those in, the interest charge and any unforgiven principal is, is due in full within two years. Um, but, but keeping track of where you're spending the money and going back to the lender with the essentially a forgiveness application is gonna be the next big um, record keeping paperwork task eight weeks after the loan proceeds come through. Okay, so can we maybe start or just highlight if someone hasn't started the process yet of applying for whether it's the PPP or the EIDL, where should they start? So the PPP, there is an application um, that's on the Treasury website. And Danielle, I think I sent you that link. You and did. hopefully you can push that out to folks. That has some good guidance for borrowers. It also has guidance for lenders, which I think is, is really where the information gap is right now. Um, but there is an application on that website. I believe most lenders are using that. But I would say that's kind of your first stop would be to, to call your bank or call the, the institution that you have an existing relationship with, find out if they're lending, lending under this program, and if they are, if they have an application or if they're using the treasury form application. So and any lender can be participating in this? Any lender can in the PPP. So it's not limited to SBA lenders. Um, not all SBA lenders are participating, but the goal was to kind of open the field so that as many lenders as possible could be up and running the loan under this program. Probably ideally to be able to get these loans out pretty quickly too. I'm guessing they've made some pretty strong commitments about getting money into small business hands. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I would say that's probably the first step for the PPP. For the EIDL, there is an online application um, that's through the SBA website, which I also sent the link yes. to Danielle so she can yes. put that out to folks. Um, and, and you can walk through and do that yourself, but just bear in mind that um, that 10,000 upfront grant is going to essentially come off of the forgiven amount of a PPP if you qualify under both programs and take funds under both programs. Um, but the the EIDL also has kind of that true loan underpinning too. So if the PPP is, is not sufficient, um, it's probably the most attractive because it is, you know, nearly free money. Um, but if you're in a position where you are also wanting more of a traditional loan, the EIDL is a good option there too. I should say also, if you have an existing EIDL outstanding, there is a window where you may be able to sort of refinance that or roll that into um, a PPP. 
And so that, that's something to keep in mind if you're in that situation where you already have an existing idol outstanding. Um, and I think that probably the best place for resources for that is the SBA website because it walks through uh, the number of different um, lending options for small businesses right now. Okay. All right. Are there any more questions from the audience? I will, I will pose that while I ask you, I mean, we talk a lot about the process and how this works. Are there specific cons that you would advise employers to consider before applying for one or, or either? You know, I would say be, being conscious and realistic about the needs of your business. Um, and, and I say that because I know, you know, especially here in Washington, a lot of businesses were affected early. Um, you know, I work with a number of different restaurant owners and, and bar owners, and those folks were just had the rug totally pulled out from under them. Um, really not being able to continue operations at anything resembling a pre-COVID level. Um, if that's the case for your business, or if you think even two and a half times your monthly payroll isn't going to really prop you up to, to be in a position that's better eight weeks from now than you are today, or to give you the chance to continue to bring in revenue for eight weeks, then even though it is nearly free money, um, the PPP may not really do the trick for your business. And so I think it's more, I say that more to say, if you're in that position, you, you may want to forego the stress of trying to get an application and trying to do this paperwork if it's really not gonna be that much of a, um, you know, long-term benefit to have this sh shorter eight-week term relief. Okay. Um, so that's just something to kind of keep in mind. Uh, and I would, I will also say part of what the CARES Act did, um, and I think this might have been covered last week, but it was to supplement the state unemployment um, payments to employees. So if you are in a position where really you could call your workers back, but they're not going to be able to do anything to be earning your business revenue, to be looking forward to a healthier business position eight, 10, 12 weeks down the line. Um, that unemployment may, may do just as much for your employees as, you know, or close to what you would be able to do, having them recalled and not really doing much for your business. Okay. A couple of questions here. Um, can you quickly talk about the payroll tax credit option with the 50% of wages paid to certain employees and that can be forgiven by tax credits? It can, and that could probably be a podcast on its own. So okay. um, yeah, the, there, is, there is a lot going on in, in the CARES Act. And I, you know, I know that there was, um, Chatter about it's not coming fast enough and it's not, but having seen it and focused on just this portion, I have a colleague of mine who's focused on, um, you know, the unemployment and the, the sick leave portion. 
and it really, I mean, this is a major piece of federal legislation that, um, you know, it's not perfect, um, but it, for what it is, it came out at lightning speed. And, you know, the fact that we're getting regulations the night before loan processing goes live is not ideal at all, but I think it's just a, another testament to what a, an unprecedented, I know we all hate that term now, but such an unprecedented situation that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, let's maybe talk about when we can specifically dive into payroll tax credits offline. Uh, maybe that's definitely a, a good possibility and I think would help people. Um, okay, so another question. The average monthly payroll, should it include part-time people even if they've been laid off plus the full-time folks that are still working or does it only apply to full-time people? No, it includes all of your payroll expenses. So that's for, for any um, part-time, full-time, temporary, it's it's anybody that you've got on payroll that or that you had on payroll in a in a 12 month look back period. Okay. And obviously this is so much content for you know for, for any kind of a conversation really, but can you repeat the date window options for staffing? Yes. So the let me get them real quick because I don't want to mess them up. But the um Number of, so this goes to the quotient, the formula for forgiveness, and you're going to be preparing, comparing, sorry, the number of post-loan employees divided by either the number of um, the average monthly employee count between February 15th, 2019 and June 30th, 2019, that's your 2019 window, or you're comparing post-loan employee count with the average number of employees that you had on between January 1st, 2020, and February 29th, 2020. Um, and that's gonna be for all employers who are not seasonal businesses. If you're a seasonal business, you, your only option is to look at that 2019 window. Um, okay. but, but that can make a difference if you have, um, you know, if you had some, some staffing changes or a, a ramp up period at the beginning of 2020 that's not currently reflected in your employee base. Um, so for your specific circumstances, you're going to want to do the run the numbers either way um, because your your goal is to get them as, as as low as possible. I mean, you're going to want to use the lower of those two numbers because that's going to be your high water mark for your post loan employee count. Okay, and not all contractors are going to fall under the category of seasonal, right? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so, but you just want to run your your employee count uh, and see which way is better. Okay. When are examples of a time that an employer, someone who's going to go through this paperwork or through the process needs to consult with someone like you? 
Gosh, you know, I would love to say you can't do anything without a lawyer, right? But <laughs> I, I really think that most of this um, is going to be, if you have questions about the certifications, if you have questions about calculating payroll or what's included and what's not, if they're the really detailed kind of things, maybe then reach out to an attorney. Um, but for the most part, or I suppose I should just say, if you can't get a hold of your lender, I mean, I, I, would, I would probably be inclined to punt a little bit to lenders because they're the ones, I mean, they're the ones who, who are in control of the money, right? So if they say they need something, it doesn't matter what I think, it doesn't matter what you think, it matters what your lender thinks. Um, so getting them as much information as they want. But if you do have specific questions about, you know, can I, can I count this? Can I include this person? Or walking through, you know, my specific workforce um, looked like this in 2019, looked like this in 2020, which way do I wanna, you know, how do I wanna try to, to play this in my favor? Then I would say you could reach out to an attorney to help kind of walk through the fine details of that. Okay. Any other questions here from the group? I'm going to put that out there, but I'm also going to put out there if anyone wore their baseball swag to join me in my little reminiscing and, and sorrow of missing baseball season yet, please show yourself. I do come prepared with prizes for winners. So if you did come, and I don't I mean, it can be, I don't care if it's the Mariners. I almost put on my Chicago Cubs hat and then I thought that might not be wearing a hat on Zoom might not be great. But if you did, uh, I would love to see it on camera. And I want to also be able to wrap these up with some good news because obviously we're all talking about a lot of heavy stuff and all of you really are on the very front lines too of making really hard decisions and doing new things that you know you are not probably used to yet and weren't planning on having to do this year so uh good news two different things i wanted to share uh last week i talked a little bit about fair start downtown seattle and what they are doing in delivering food to places like um facilities where people are quarantined and to kids who are in programs um, and through schools. There's great information on their website. Um, another one of my clients is likely partnering with them and has also been doing a lot of food delivery into places that people that are hungry and need food that um, are in a very vulnerable time and that's Gourmando Catering. And I know that they are on the line today as well, at least Rachel is. And so Gourmando's been out delivering meals. They normally provide a lot of catering, box lunches to companies, um, that all ground to a halt. And so with what they've been doing separately and now with what they can do potentially with Fair Start, which is talking about a lot more food that can get into some places that are having, uh, having a really hard time with, with that. So that's some great news and I applaud Gourmando um, and all of the people there that are working so hard to do that. Um, the other one is outdoor research and I think Amy is on the line today too. Um, if you saw the governor's press conference on 
Friday. Maybe you did see it in the news last week. Outdoor Research is down in Seattle. They've been there a long time. They typically are producing manufacturing gear, um, military gear, and other tactical products. And they have done some very quick pivots to outfit what they have there in their manufacturing facilities. So they can manufacture surgical masks and N95 masks. And in fact, you know, they are hoping to hire people to come in and help them through this transition period. So there again, lots of people that are in our shared community who are doing some different things to be of help to, um, to all of us during this time. So um, if you have good news stories and want them to come on to the, uh, the Monday meetup, I'm watching for them, but would love for you to send, um, send stories my way too to share. We can all use a little more optimism and hope about what's happening out there. Um, I don't see any other questions. The recording of this will be made available within 24 hours. Um, and I'm sure if you do have questions or you need some legal guidance, Shelly is available. I know she's on LinkedIn. Uh, I can make her contact information available for you as well. I appreciate all of you for joining today. I hope that your week ahead is not only productive, but uh, it, there is some peace and some calm in your moments ahead and that you're finding some moments of joy along the way. Thanks for coming today.